0: This is the Pitbull Awareness Podcast. I'm your host, Phantom's mom. Today, I am excited to be able to host our first guest on the show, Mr. Jay Jack. Jay is an MMA fighter turned dog trainer and founder of GRC Dog Sports. Very early on in my journey as a dog owner, I discovered Jay's work and I fell in love with his story and his entire philosophy of relationship-based dog training. I found it to be a very compelling and compassionate approach to working with dogs and meeting their biological needs. Jay has spent much of his life with the American Pit Bull Terrier and has a very deep, almost spiritual connection with the breed. I am honored to be able to feature him as our first guest speaker. So here is Jay Jack. I'm I'm such a Zoom noob, I'm sure. No, that was I already like, evident. I don't
1: need like a warning. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay. Like, oh no, we're recording. Like, I don't, I'll say the okay. same no matter what. Fair enough. Um, it's really weird. And this is, I don't know if this is going to be out of context because we just started recording so you can edit it into wherever okay. it goes or whatever. But like, it's really strange. Like the camps in the Pitbull world, there's like the anti-Pitbull camp uh and that's bananas for its own reasons and there's the the pro pitbull camp and they don't even get along there's like the there's like the like i like pitbulls because they're soft and squishy and you can dress them up in pajamas right. and, and they you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then you're like well that's that's not like super accurate like that's, i mean you know okay i hear you and then there's the like nah man they're death machines and Pro. they're like they're like pro and you're just like yeah but fuck man you know it's like everybody's got such this you know they're invested in their little narrative of what they want it to be and like they don't have the ability to see the variations you know I used to be uh I would have described myself for the longest time as a pitbull advocate like I'm like a you know like advocating for them and mm-hmm. I honestly don't do that anymore
0: you don't um, describe yourself a, as an advocate anymore
1: well I'm not anti-piple in any way I love those dogs have my soul like I mm-hmm. fucking love those dogs beyond all things however I if, you know if somebody's like I don't know 10 years ago 15 years ago if somebody was like I don't know I'm thinking about getting a pit bull but I don't know I would be like oh dude you totally should and let me tell you all the reasons why and now I'm like yeah probably shouldn't if they're like, I don't know, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's not the kind of thing you want to do if you're not sure. <laughs> like like everybody should have a pit bull. Do you know what I mean? Everybody mm-hmm. should have a pit bull at least mm-hmm. once in their life to understand the joy. And then I'm like, nah, you know, I just see so many, so many people living with dogs so unskillfully and the dogs are paying for it. Just like, oof, I am pro- I am, I am obviously pro pit bull in the sense of, I want to advocate for the breed and I want to teach people how to live with them and shit like that. But like, I'm no longer like, I used to be like everybody ought to get one. And now I'm just like, nah, that's cool. I was going to say my wife, when I first met her, uh, she was had, she loved dogs. She was an animal lover, dog lover, Had, had dogs her whole life kind of thing, but had never had pit bulls. Like had always been just like normal dogs. And then, met me and i had my bulldog because i always have one and uh after that every dog we've ever gotten has been some variation of bulldog you know yeah yeah no for sure she's like pitbull through and through you know Mm -hmm. but like it's just funny how you can have such an innate understanding of dog and still not understand pitbulls like still not understand game dogs you know what i mean it's just a diff. it's not in a crazy way not in a not in a mythical magical way but just in some very substantial ways they're just different dogs you know it it can be it's weird because i went the opposite way i like lived really well with good game fighting dogs like like lived well with them didn't know how to train wouldn't know how to modify behavior didn't understand anything about quadrants or differential reinforcement. I didn't understand anything technical. I just lived well with them because I grew up with them and like them. And it was like, that was just what I understood. I, you know, not to sound like every douchebag, because the problem is every fucking guy that says some bullshit, like, oh, man, I feel connected to them because they're just like me. You're like, oh, Fuck you. No, you're not. You know what I mean? Like, go fuck yourself. No, you're not. You know what I mean? Like, get it. You get wicked pumped when you lift weights. So you're a pit bull. I get it. But like, no, you're not. You know, that said, I like fought to pay for my live. Like, I fought professionally, like, paid, made my food money fighting in a cage, you know? And like, that was for decades. That was how I, you know, provided for myself and my family was fighting and like myself. And so, I, without sounding like one of those, like, you know, living vicariously douchebags, I do feel like similar in the in the way that I'm like, man, I'm fulfilled by the same activities, man. I enjoy it. I understand. I know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. But it's funny because I grew up around those kind of dogs and then started wanting to learn how to train them because I wanted to help modify behaviors in, in dogs that were problematic. And then like through training got involved with other people and therefore other dogs and was like wow this is totally different like learning how to train not pit bulls everybody else learned how to train dogs and then they get these special one in a million kind of pit bulls that everybody's like you'll run into one or two of them in your whole career like they get those dogs and they're like whoa this is unique and different for me those were just dogs I got a Labrador and was like I don't understand what to do I don't know what to do man I'm freaking out. Like I had to learn, I had to learn about dog training going the other way because I didn't understand that all dogs weren't like that. I just was like, oh, like I had no idea. So I had to learn it from the other direction. You know, my wife was like the opposite. She knew dogs, but didn't know pit bulls. And I knew pit bulls, but didn't know dogs. She had this shepherd mix when we first got together. And I have a tattoo of him on my leg because I learned so much from him, but it was like, I did not he might as well have been a fucking ferret. I didn't know. I was just like, I don't know what to do with this. This is not a dog, man. It just made no sense to me whatsoever. But, you know, we connected. We figured, I figured him out. But, like, I had to learn how to let dogs be what they are. You know what I mean? Like, I had Mm -hmm. to learn how to let dogs be what they are and not assume they're going to be something else. But for me, it was trying not to assume they were game dogs And accept them for the fact that they're not. For most people, it's accepting the fact that they are game dogs.
0: So that was a struggle initially is like not putting all dogs into the mold that you expected. Yeah.
1: Yeah, just because not because I had this weird, this is what I wanted them to be. It was just, it was just like, over time, you make assumptions based on patterns. So like every dog I had was like, uh, just a good fucking pitbull like a really classic like super cool with people like definitely willing to fight not necessarily antisocial with dogs but like you had to watch the interaction there are varying degrees of like either just outright aggressive or like totally social but will absolutely scrap if it's presented you know dog aggression was just part of the thing and human aggression was not and they were wicked cool and just like the the perfect template of the ideal perfect American Pitbull Terrier. Like that's what I had over and over and over again as a kid. And so like the first time I got a dog that didn't fall into that template, I was surprised. Not, you know what I mean? I wasn't like, what the fuck? That's not what I signed on for. I was just like, Whoa, I didn't understand. And it was weird. But I mean, I also had that same issue with people. Like I grew up around people like me, you know what I mean? I grew up around these, you know, (laughs) different kind of guys I grew up like this biker punk rock kind of community and it was like people fought you know it was really typical like it was just standard it was like you know three second rule when I was a kid like you know what I mean like somebody makes eye contact for more than three seconds we got to do something about it and that's just what I grew up around and I didn't understand and then I got turned out into the normal world and was like What's happening? <laughs> Why is no one behaving like I'm accustomed to? I had to like really have to learn how to like fuck. I got to learn how to navigate new sets of circumstance because I could do really well in the clubhouse and I could do really well in the street and I could do really well in jail and I couldn't do really well in a library. I couldn't do really well like in a gas station, like a like trying to get a job. I was just like, wow, I'm so not cut out for the normal world. But it's also why I feel like I have a little bit of empathy with the dogs because like they're not made for that standard world either. And it's like it takes a little bit of special work to help them learn how to be part of it without being problematic, you know?
0: I was actually just about to ask, do you feel like that's very synonymous with what we're asking of a lot of these dogs to kind of fit into our world? These game bred American pit bull terriers, you you could very easily argue these aren't pet grade
1: dogs. Yeah. Right. Because to me, to me that they make amazing pet dogs. And if you look at the old Dogmen, like, man, they, like read any of the old books, like read any of the old books about like how do, how Dogmen used to run their keeps and stuff. And it's like, dude, if you didn't, if you took out the word fight and replaced it with some other word and just read it as a preparation for an upcoming competition or upcoming event, like a dog event of some sort, dock diving or whatever. Like if you took out the word fight, it sounds like it's written by like fucking Suzanne Clothier or something like these guys loved their fucking dogs and like would say in these manuals, like spend time, take them to the store with you, take them out with you, like bond, beat, like it was the original relationship centered relationship-based training. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because development of relationship was a massive part of the game. For not necessarily the most wholesome reasons, but it was like it was development of relationship between a coach and a fighter between a dog man and a dog like that relationship like the end of the Rocky movie that everybody gets teary eyed about. You know, like Rocky gets smashed and goes down and doesn't want to get up and he's done fighting. And then Mickey leans over the ropes and goes, get up, you son of a bitch, because Mickey loves you. And everybody gets teary eyed and the music fucking starts and he and starts whooping ass. And it's like they may have been misguided, but that's that's what they thought they were seeing. That's what they imagined was going on not quite the same thing because they're not fully cognitive beings and so we have a problem but like in their brain they thought they were seeing like that rocky moment and so like there's this there's this premium on relationship and and this bond that they have and that to me is also like makes an amazing (laughs) bed. like -hmm. when you have kind of connection and that kind of trust and that kind of like bond like that's that's the goal of all my dog training that I do with clients no matter what kind of dog they have like we have a thing at my gym I own an academy like uh we we have a martial arts academy that's my other gig right and like we had a tagline on our material for a while that says you don't have to be a fighter to train like one because people come to us and it's like I'm gonna teach I'm gonna train you you're not gonna get in the ring and I understand that but like you don't have to get in the ring to have all the benefits that training like a fighter gives you you know what I mean? And so people come to me to train as if they're going to fight, whether they're going to fight or not. And so I run it kind of the same way with dogs. Like you don't have to put them in a pit to get all the fucking amazing benefits of running them like a pit dog can give you. Cause outside of the night of competition, it's amazing. <laughs> Working the dogs and being with the dogs and bonding with the dogs. is Amazing. It's great watching them be what they're supposed to be and fulfill themselves. It's amazing.
0: This might be a, Subject that a lot of maybe modern pit bull owners might find kind of controversial. Um <laughs> I know one of the biggest criticisms I've personally received um by highlighting the breed's kind of genetic desire for conflict and trying to find ways to give them a constructive outlet for that. Yep. Um I've I've been told that I am in essence reinforcing a negative stereotype about these
1: dogs. Oh. Well, um, so this is the problem. It's negative. <clears throat> okay. So we have it's reinforcing a negative stereotype if you assume that what you're saying is they want to murder shit. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like it, it, it's a little bit of a it's a it's tough, man. It's tough because the urge to fight on the surface can seem antisocial and can seem uh, maladaptive, and can seem pathological, right, and so I would have these issues too, when I was a kid, I was considered very antisocial, and like, I went to jail a bunch, and like, I, I didn't know how to fulfill myself, I didn't know how to productively channel the things that I felt, but the truth is, I had the capacity to be a good person i'm I'm like I'm a I haven't gone to jail in decades you know what I mean like I'm, I'm a great guy I pay my taxes I have this business I coach kids and I help people change their lives and make them stronger like I'm a wonderful person now you know and 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 nothing's changed I still enjoy fighting it's just that now I have places to put it that are not maladaptive you know what I mean like I know that I'm going to get this feeling when I deadlift, I'm going to get to be, I'm going to get to get mad. Like, dude, I'll get like teary eyed. I'll get fucking ang- like, do you know what I mean? But that's a great place to put that, you know, like I, that doesn't come out in the line at Burger King for no reason anymore. Cause I'm not a child. I learned how to, this isn't where that goes. Like the guy at the red light that's, I fucking, you I'm not like, that's not where this goes. And I can go, Hey buddy. And like, totally get past it. Cause I don't need to. Cause 30 minutes from now, I'm going to choke the dog shit out of 10 different people at the gym where it belongs. You know what I mean? And we're all going to go out to dinner afterwards because it's not maladaptive. So it's like, I think that people are inherently, it's weird. Humans are like this too. They're inherently scared of this idea that enjoying conflict can possibly be good. And that's Mm -hmm. problematic, I think, you know, because there is a genetic urge for conflict and overcoming, and that's in people and dogs. Like, this is genetic. And so it's like anybody that likes the debate club, like, that's an urge for conflict. Like, they're enjoying opposition. And it doesn't even, it's not even like for cause they'll argue a thing. And then you can be like, when I ring the bell, we're going to switch sides Now argue for what you were just arguing against. And they'll be like, done. I don't give a fuck. Cause I just want to argue. Like they enjoy it. People that like to play chess, enjoy conflict people that, you know what I mean? Like any of those things, like those aren't considered people will give you, you know, kudos for being a chess player or being a lawyer that really enjoys a lively debate. Like nobody's like, what a piece of shit, fucking asshole. Like nobody thinks that. Like they're like, oh, that's really good. Like that's awesome. Cool that you like that. But that's the same urge. It's just a different avenue of expression. Like everybody likes to play sports. Some people want to play soccer. Some people want to play rugby. And there's like different flavors of that urge for conflict and competition and opposing one another. But it's like, People have this weird line in the sand where once it becomes in any way physical, they're like, no, that's not acceptable. That freaks me out. Like chess. Awesome. Debate. Awesome. Rugby. Well, some of the people will be okay with it. There's a lot of people like "Ah, that's brutal. That's too much MMA. Oh God. No, that's just human cockfighting. That's ridiculous. Because it's just like more physicality. But I think people don't understand There are people that are wired to enjoy conflict in the physical flavor, you know, but that doesn't make them pathological. It doesn't make them maladaptive. It means that they have to learn where in society it's acceptable to channel it and put it. Otherwise it will be it for sure. Well, the prisons are filled with kids that couldn't figure it out. I should have been in jail. Like I can't, it's a fucking miracle that I am free. You know what I mean? Like I should be dead or in jail guaranteed hundred percent. It's a fucking shocker that I am alive. And so that's like, I get how lucky I am that I found a path that let me be expressive in the way that I I can be happy and also part of the society, you know, and that's a big part of what we have to do with all dogs, not just game dogs, all dogs. Like the way that I approach dog training is first, what were they genetically designed to do? What is the lifestyle that their soul screams for? Like, what were they supposed to do? And if it is in any way possible, give them that exact fucking thing, like that exact thing. So if you have a herding dog, man, even if it's like, it takes you a two hour drive and you can only do it once a month, man, take them fucking herding, like the actual fucking thing, like give them the thing. If you have a mushing dog, God damn it. Like get them on a harness and get a fucking scooter and like, let them do the thing, you know? if you can't do the thing because it's un- impossible because of where you live or it's, you know, not safe or not feasible or whatever, then give them the closest possible surrogate. You know what I mean? So like if you have a herding dog and you can't take them hurting, take them to play tray ball. Like that's not hurting animals, but it's still working with a team and looking at guidance and moving this object over there and stalking and paying attention. Like it's very, very similar. And then like, if you can't play tray ball, then, spin the dials even in ways that don't look the same like so for example a lot of herding dogs are really good at doing obedience precision obedience but if you look at it even though it's not hurting it's spinning a lot of the same dials that herding spins because when they're hurting they have to split their attention between what's going on and what mom's saying like what my handler is directing me to do and what else is going on i have to split my attention I have to be very precise. They say down, I have to down. They say move left, I have to move left. They say stop, I have to stop. It involves going quick, changing positions, freezing, locking in, being precise, waiting for release. Like those are all the same things when you're like, sit down, stand, come, heel. Like those dogs that are into it are like, yeah. It doesn't look remotely functional or physically like herding, but it's spinning dials that are really similar in that dog's head. That's cool because most dogs have stuff that hurting nobody gets angry about hurting or fucking sniffing or whatever but then you're like man these dogs were bred to scrap and you're like all of a sudden everybody's like oh my god and you're like okay so there's two there's two parts we got to go down two rabbit holes right one rabbit hole is were they bred were they bred to fight were they bred to be dog aggressive or is it something else? Do you know what I mean? And it's interesting because a lot of people, even pit bull advocates will be like, ah, man, there's dog aggression. And of course there's a higher propensity for dog aggression than other things because they didn't get a premium put on not being dog aggressive. So it's not selected against, you know, but the truth is there's so many dogs like there's stories in the old pit bull books. I want to say Armitage in his book, from the fucking thirties or whatever wrote about the best pit dog he ever had was a stray dog that was living with a pack of dogs could let him walk around the yard. No chain, totally social, put him Mm -hmm. in a pit and square him up on a dog. And he was like, Oh, game on motherfucker. And was in, but it's like the ability to be social. Wasn't just this pathological dog aggression. They just, they would fight if you square them up the fight. And I've had many dogs that were like that. Like they were literally super, super social unless another dog was sort of like them and they both started looking at each other, like, dude, are you one of the ones? And then they're like, I think we could do this. And then they square up and it's on. And it's like, that is not pathological dog aggression. That's a love of challenge. Like that's a love of fight as a game, you know? And I understand that. Cause I have the exact same thing. I'm super social. I'm a wicked nice guy, but p- p- do you know what I mean? Put me in a room with another one of the guys like me and we will just start we'll be polite we'll be like do you know what we ought to do we ought to we ought to, we ought to, we ought to like we book we make events so we can all get together and do it without going to jail <laughs> you know what we gotta, and then we go out to dinner because it's like it's not about like nah fuck you it's about challenge you know i don't believe that they were bred to be dog aggressive and that's going to sound ridiculous i believe they were bred to have a massive desire for challenge and overcoming and conflict. That that's an inborn desire to overcome conflict, right? Just like border collies weren't bred to chase tennis balls. You know what I'm saying? Border collies are not genetically bred to chase tennis balls. Because if you throw a lacrosse ball, they'll chase it. If you throw a frisbee, they'll chase it. If you throw, you know what I mean? It's not tennis ball. It's moving object. Do you know what I mean? Now they mm-hmm. get turned onto tennis balls because it moves and they're like, fuck yeah, track the moving thing, acquire the moving thing. But they're not bred for tennis ball chasing. They're bred with qualities that make tennis ball chasing likely. Mm-hmm. weren't bred for fighting. I mean, they were. They, they were bred to possess qualities and characteristics that make conflict enjoyment. Most likely. And then what we do is we're like, look, you make it more likely. If you want a border collie to be a ball addict, you turn them onto a ball first, quick, right away. So they learn ball is where this goes. Like you put a bunch of Malinois puppies. They walk through a room with Malawai puppies and see what they do. And they start biting your sleeves mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh my God. And you go, oh shit. And you get a rag and you're like, guess what? This is where that goes. And you turn them onto the rag, which is why they're not biting your pants at three months old because they're like, no rags are where this go. This goes on rags. Right. But it's like, if you didn't do that, if you didn't go, no, 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 this is where it goes. It goes here, it goes on the rag, little Mally. They would just be obsessive pant grabbers and they wouldn't give a fuck about rags. They'd be biting your pants because that's what they think they're supposed to do. And so like you take a little pit bull who's got this genetic urge to enjoy conflict and you put them in a litter with other dogs that are also in to conflict. It's the first and free game. They don't have to go find a stick their litter mates right there. They, do you know what I mean? It's the, it's the first and free. And if you don't redirect a little Malley onto a rag, he's going to become an obsessive pant biter. If you redirect them onto a rag, they start to buy rags and they go, ah, rags are where they go. So if you want to raise one of those dogs, like it's easy to raise a social pity super easy. You know what I mean? You just have to go like, look, this is where that goes. This does not go on your litter mate. Sorry, buddy. This is not where that goes. This goes over here. This goes on the rag. This goes on the flirt pole. This goes on whatever the fuck we're going to do the spring pole. This goes into these activities, not into these activities, but unless you get in and direct them, the first easiest source of conflict play is litter mates. And then once a dog gets turned onto something for long enough, they're like, this is what it is. And it's hard to get them off of that and onto something else. And so it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of that thing. So that's one thing is they're not genetically pre, I mean, they're, they're not, they're not pathologically dog aggressive. If that were the case, then you wouldn't have all of these stories, historical stories and modern stories of dogs that are social and pit dogs. You wouldn't have these dogs that have been turned around, like really legitimate, documented dogs that fight in pits, but then later get rehabilitated and now they live with other dogs skillfully. That would be impossible. If they were pathologically dog aggressive, those stories wouldn't exist, you know? And so it's like the reality of the dog to me is a dog that has these drives and urges that if you don't direct them into places that are productive places for those to go, they can tend to go bad. It's just like me, kids that grew up like me generally go to prison because nobody put them in a thing and said, this is where that shit goes, man. Here's where you should put it. Here are skills to navigate the times where you want to put it somewhere else and you can't. And so like, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a thing that, that most people don't really think about. You know, is like, it's, it's not a pathologically dog aggressive. It is a genetic urge to find and overcome conflict play, you know?
0: So what would you, what would you say to someone who realizes they got a real gamey pit on their hands? What so, do they do?
1: Yeah. So it, it's fucking interesting, man, because I think the issue is that <clears throat> people that don't understand people that don't understand what makes a good fighting dog don't have an accurate judge of what they think that that selected for, you know, like if you didn't understand what a border collie was doing, like herding, if you had no idea, if you think herding is lazily rolling around in the sunshine and then you got a border collie, you'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with this dog? Because you would have no, like, why am I seeing what I'm seeing? That makes no sense. You know? And so it's like, I think one of the biggest problems is people don't understand what a good pit dog is. And so they make a lot of assumptions. Like, for example, I'll give you an example of humans, professional fighters. There are characteristics and qualities that make good professional fighters. And it is not what people think. People would see backstage, they would see two types of people backstage at fights one type of person is sitting there, like, calm, playing cards with somebody, talking, watching TV, napping, and another guy is pacing around backstage, slapping himself, hoo, hoo, you know? And they'd be like, oh, the guy doing all this must be the, the it's not, dude, that is the amateur, that is the kid that's had one or two fights, he's pissing himself. The dude that's been around forever is chill right now that sounds weird because people will see a dog lighting up you know people see a dog in a a thing like in a fight and assume it would take this but they don't realize do you know how much relaxation skill was part of a pit dog's life you'd work the dogs like if you read any of those old books they'll say like do a rub down that's the amount of time of the workout so if you put them on the mill for an hour you do an hour rub down to tolerate a one hour rub down Most people with their calm dogs cannot get their dogs to tolerate a massage for a fucking hour. Are you shitting me? Like that takes effort to get them through five minutes, like teaching people how to get their dogs to just calm the fuck down and accept this massage is very difficult. Now, if you're talking at two in the morning when they feel like relaxing, sure. But if you're talking like, we need to do this right now because it needs to get done. And I understand there's noises and it's Tuesday and it's fucking sun shining, but we got to get this rub down done, buddy. Like that's really, that's like veterinary handling practice. Most people don't have that skill with their dog. Like that takes an incredible amount of like, breathe it out, calm, relax, accept this calmness. Like that's a skill. Then we got to talk about like most of your fights aren't done in your town. Like you book a fight and you wind up traveling somewhere. So you've got a dog that's got to travel. Like you got a dog that's in a car, in a hotel, staying at a stranger's house. They're either at a hotel or they're in a stranger's house or they're sleeping in their car. You know what I mean? Like, and they've got to tolerate that calmly because if they're stressed about the travel, like they're just like, and all stressed about it, they're going to feel like shit the day of the fight. Like They need to go into the ring with all of their fucking energy, which means they can't blow all their energy out before they get into the ring, which means they have to travel with complete mellowness and calmness and acceptance. How many fucking people think about that when they see a dog? My dog's spinning in circles in the back of the car going, and they're like, why is he doing that? And he goes, oh, he's a fighting dog. The fuck? that's not a pit dog are you shitting me a dog that's just spinning no man no that's craziness like that wouldn't make a good pit dog he'd be fucking exhausted by the time he got to the pit then we take him into a strange place there's and i gotta say this i don't fight dogs i grew up around it as a kid so when i say things like we and i i am talking from my memory of 30 years ago i'm not talking about what i currently do i don't fight dogs i'm opposed to it but I say we and I because in my brain I'm thinking first person because I was there. Right. So it's like we got to take them. They, you get to the event, you get to the venue, right? You get to the place. You got to get them out, potty them because they got to go to the bathroom. They got to make weight. So we got to empty them out. There are smells of other dogs there. There's sounds of other dogs there. There's other dogs getting out of kennels and pickup trucks. And if your dog is just lit the fuck up and spinning out because another dog happens to be around, they're going to get tired before they get in the pit. They need to be calm, man, fucking mellow. And then we got to weigh them. They got to get a hanging strap and weigh them. All these fucking people around can't get spun up. We got to wash them. I take your dog. I wash your dog. You take my dog. You wash my dog. This fucking stranger has got to wash my dog. And it's like, and they can't be like, (laughs) and all fucking stressed out. So when you see these people with these pit bulls and they are just nervy, blowing up at shit, freaking out, spinning, just wound up. And then they'll excuse it by going, that's all those fighting dog genetics. And you're like, actually, that's the opposite, dude. That's not fighting dog genetics. That is an abomination of fighting dog genetics that's not what it looks like. Do you know what I mean? A nervy dog that freaks out and is running on high throttle all the time and can't pull it back. That's a terrible, that's a terrible pit dog. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I don't think they understand what a fighting dog looked like because they don't understand what a fight was. You know what I mean? A fight Mm -hmm. is not this blow up bluster. You know what I mean? Like it's not like they can go hours, And so it's like, people don't realize what the event was that they were selected for. And because they don't know what it was, they don't know what the dogs would be to do that. So then they make all these assessments. So it's like the freaking out nervy blow up dog isn't because he was a fighting dog. The dogs that are chill and calm outside of drive are actually more like fighting dogs. And this is where people get the misconception because I could go, I could grow up with good dogs and I'd take them to the, I'd take them to the martial arts school and there's 30 pairs of people fighting and my dog was just sleeping to give him a fuck. And you know what I mean? Like he could travel didn't give a fuck, put him, you know, he didn't care. Put him in a car, a stranger's car. Nobody cares. Like drive him around. He just hang out in the gym. It's totally cool. And like, you can see where the nanny dog myth comes from. Somebody could step on his tail and he wouldn't bite him out of pain. Somebody could like make a weird sound movement real quick and he's not gonna bite him because he's scared. He's not scared and he doesn't feel pain. I mean, he feels pain. He just doesn't acknowledge it, you know? But it's like, he's this stoic, brave ass dog. So all the errant biting and aggression is from fear and pain. And I got a dog that gives no fuck about pain and ain't scared of shit. So he looks absolutely non-aggressive outside of squared up on a dog and so you can see how people are like dude i want my dog to be mellow like that i want how'd you get that dog to relax how do you get that dog to be so brave and so confident and shit like that and it's like part of its genetics for sure but part of it's also the way that we work them but it's like they would look at that and then go ah good fighting dogs are just mellow tubby super social happy-go-lucky little happy dogs And you're like, yeah, outside, (laughs) outside a square up. Absolutely. I've got dogs that are just the silliest, loviest, little fluffiest, little shit dogs ever. And if you have a dog like lock onto it and you'll see them go like, oh, here it is. And like, everything changes. Yeah, you can see it. But me too. Like, look at me at weigh-ins for a fight where we do the like they fucking weigh you in and then you stare at each other Mm -hmm. while it takes pictures i do not look like hey buddy it's a thursday how you doing you know what i mean like it's a different like put me in the cage and like are you ready are you ready The look on my face before they say fight it's not the same thing as when i saw that guy at the press conference a week ago it's not so it's like they are calm and chill and lovey and fluffy and easy and happy-go-lucky outside the moment and so that's the problem is people see the aspect people see the fluffy soft lovey side and go oh it's that's what you are or they see the 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 in drive digging conflict and go oh that's what you are and it's not the truth is you're you're a complex autonomous being do you know what i mean you have mm-hmm. sides to you if you looked at me when i'm deadlifting fucking loud music playing. I got tears in my eyes. I'm fucking dropping the bar and fucking screaming and yelling. You'd be like, wow, that guy's a dick. I would never want that guy to come over to my house for dinner. You would assume I'm going to sit at the dinner table. And, go, oh, motherfucker, and I'm not, I can have a very calm, mellow, nice, intelligent conversation. I'm super soft. I'm a wonderful listener to, <laughs> you know what I mean? And if you saw me having a heart to heart conversation with somebody about life problems, you might assume that somebody could beat the shit out of me in a subway. You know what I mean? It's like because you don't see that there's there's multiple sides to every being. You know, that's the issue. Have you read that book? That I can never remember the lady's name. It's either Brown and Dickey or Dickie Brown and I don't know which one's first and which one's last.
0: Brown I Dickie. always I think a uh, battle for an American icon or something. yeah, it's like American battle icon or some yeah. shit like that. Yeah, the
1: chapter on genetics is really interesting. Uh, that was a really important chapter because. There's these characteristics and qualities that make a good pit dog, right? Like the dog has to be, you know, brave as shit, like not scared of anything, like no fear. Got to be super pain tolerant, like stoic through pain, like probably higher, like more could go through more shit before it decided it was pain. And when it feels pain, doesn't emote, it it like holds it, like fights against it, doesn't go, ah, like pain, you know? So like no fear, super high pain tolerance, loves conflict play, like loves will fucking go for conflict play. Like this is what makes my soul happy. And also extremely socially connected to people, like all of the love in the world focused on their person. Like that makes a wonderful pit dog. That dog makes a wonderful pit dog. And so when we bred dogs for the pit, they had those all. Of those qualities, you know, the problem is now nobody's breeding dogs for the pit anymore. I mean, there are, there are people that are still fighting their dogs and there's people that are still breeding game dogs. But then as soon as we get away from the game dog world and we're like, yeah, don't do that anymore. Then we stop breeding for function. Not all, there's still some people that are breeding for function, but aren't fighting or fighter apologists, right? They're breeding function, but not involved in the game. But far and away, most of the dog, most of the people in the pit bull world were either intentionally or accidentally dealing with dogs that have been not purpose bred at all. And so the issue with not purpose breeding is you don't know which combination you're going to get. And so like each of those dogs is true. There is that old school classic American pit bull Terry that has all four qualities could be a good pit dog could be a good nanny dog like because fucking awesome we'll play tug with the kid all day would never hurt the kid because he loves him won't bite out of fear won't bite out of panic won't bite out of pain that's a fucking awesome family home romp around with the 12 year old boy fucking dog it's a great dog then that dog is real also that like uh super turned on love of humans right um no pain like he feels no pain But isn't the bravest dog in the world and doesn't really like a ton of conflict. That is the couch potato, pig bowl, pet bowl, chunky fucking dog. That doesn't really want to. My, my dog doesn't want to play with the spring bowl. All right, cool. You know what I mean? Like isn't really into conflict play. You can say, Hey, you stop that. And he's like, goodness me. I'm so sorry. Doesn't want to get in trouble with other dogs. Doesn't want to get in trouble with any people. Like somebody comes to the door and he's like, Ooh, fuck. I don't want to do anything. You know what I mean? Like, Super subservient, no conflict. Do you know what I mean? Still isn't going to hurt anybody if they poke them in the eye accidentally. Like, you know what I mean? Like you get two of them are missing, but the two that remain make them the couch potato grandma dog. Those dogs do exist, you know, but then there's the like loves conflict play, super high pain tolerance, no attachment to people and scared shitless. That is an ax murderer of a dog. That is a fucking frightening dog. Petrified, but will go, has no connection to you and doesn't stop. You're like, That's a fucking nightmare. But that dog exists also because the other two were gone. And you can get any combination. So the issue is once we get away from function breeding, once we get away from function breeding, we have no idea what we're going to get. And so everybody argues about their like N equals one <laughs> anecdotal I had a pig bull. And so all pit bulls are little piggy bulls. And you're like, I had a dangerous ax murderer. Therefore all are dangerous ax murders. And somebody else goes, I had a nanny dog. And you're like, all those dogs are real, dude. But the problem is you can't look at a dog and go, I know exactly what combination we're going to have because they get further and further away from function. And that's the issue. You know, What has to happen is one, the dogs that we have Like the dogs that exist already, we have to try to figure out what they are, fulfill their biology, and meet them with the combination that they have and give them the skill sets to go from wherever they are to living safely in the world because certain combinations, you don't need to do anything. Just give them to grandma Jenkins and certain combinations. You're like, man, we need to really do some work because this, this dog needs some fucking help and he needs to learn some boundaries and we have to give him some outlets and we're going to have to craft a trust of people because he doesn't have it naturally. And like, man, we got to do a lot of work to make this dog live. But then it's like outside of that, we need to encourage people to be breeding for function and not, For looks because it's getting out of hand. There's dogs that look great and they're genetic fucking messes. And now there's dogs that don't even look good. Like I don't even know what's going on with some of these fucking
0: the exotic bullies and toadline bullies. And
1: yeah. Oh, it's gross. You know, it's really gross. And so it's like, I think we really need to get people to understand the importance of function breeding. Um, because it really is a, it really is a big thing. But the problem is when you start talking about function breeding, we go, well, what's the function functional breeding. So what's the function dog fights? And everybody goes, no, but, and I am not a dog fight enthusiast and I'm not a dog fight apologist. I'm not like, you know, I don't do it, but God damn it. It's cool. Like, I'm not one of those guys either. I'm like, man, it's bad. I'll rail against, I'll stop it. Like I've been anti that and been involved in the breaking up of that shit like for decades, right? So I'm not into it. But it's like people think that when you start saying I want to retain the qualities those dogs once had to say like I like pit fighting. And you're like and then they don't want to say that, so then they go the other way and like no function breeding or they're they're not like any they're just like every other dog. And you're like man, both of those are not accurate statements.
0: Um I wanted to touch on something you mentioned cuz you said you basically grew up into dog fighting family sure I I think I heard in a pod the podcast with Bethany Grace you kind of had like a change of heart about that and like your teens
1: yeah like 14 or so
0: yeah um
1: I mean go ahead sorry I'm
0: I'm just curious to know like what what was it that sort of like what was the moment that caused you to start thinking differently about what you had been raised in
1: so it wasn't it wasn't a moment I'd always felt weird you know, have you, I don't know, man, have you ever had like you hear stories about kids that like knew they were gay when they were a kid, but they, they couldn't reconcile it like they didn't want to talk about it. And they're like, this will go away. And I just have to like pretend it's not happening. And then at a certain point, you're like, "Nah, something is different and I have to address it. Right. It felt sort of like that. Right. But it was weird because it was a uh, I was internally conflicted. And this is going to sound horrific. Right. This is going to sound really bad because some part of me. Saw a beauty in the fights. And that's really hard for people to hear. And it's hard for me to hear myself because I also felt horrible and had knots in my stomach, like this is wrong. But I didn't understand because I would get a knot in my stomach that would go, this is wrong. But then on the other hand, I would be like, yes, but something is amazing about it. And I didn't understand. And then when I would talk to people about it, like I talk to somebody and go, man, it feels like, I don't know, man, I feel like just it's something's wrong and i didn't have words i was a young kid and i was very uneducated and i was like i something feels icky and they would go but you know they love it man and don't you love to fight and i'm like yeah i do and that's the problem because if i was some piece of shit that didn't enjoy fighting myself then i would just be some scumbag living vicariously through the manipulation of another being and none of the guys that i was around was like that like they would all fight we all love fighting and so it was this like I love it, you love it, they love it. And you're like, I see the logic, but I still feel weird inside. And I couldn't I couldn't articulate it and I couldn't argue and I didn't understand, you know? And at some point I just accepted that I was different and like, didn't want to watch anymore. And like, wasn't going to go around it, still hang out with the guys, still work the dogs, but I'm not going to watch the fights. I'm not going, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be around it. And it's like, that's cool. And like, I got some shit about it. Like people give me, oh, come on, you know, giving me fucking shit. And I'm like, whatever, dude. Now, if I hadn't also been a fighter myself, that could have gone super sideways. But it's like, listen, the picking on me is all fine. But if you'd like to fight about this, we can just scrap. <laughs> you know what I mean? And So nobody went too far with it. Right. But it was just like the general. It's like me being a vegetarian and people giving me shit. Like I had this, you know, weirdo little. Nancy boy side where I didn't want to watch the fights and nobody could reconcile it, but nobody was going to fuck with me about it. And so it was like this weird. I just didn't want to go around. And I didn't have the understanding of it. Honestly, I didn't have the understanding of it until years later. Um, and I was in a correctional facility, it's such a weird story. I was, in a, I was in a correctional facility and I happened to have a chance to be around uh, like some, some, people that were like, like pedophiles. I happened to be around some people that were like, had done bad things to kids. Right. So I had done a bunch of time when I was a kid, I got my juvenile, I got out of trouble, got my juvenile file sealed when I was 18, stayed out of trouble. I've been sober and clean and a well-meaning member of society ever since. And so trying to find some place to be in the world that was legal because fighting for money was still illegal. So I was technically a criminal I would try to find jobs that were related to my skill set and experience, but not illegal. So I was bouncing in bars a bunch and I would like work at correctional facilities. Like so, because it was still in my wheelhouse and shit I had experience in. So yeah. So I was like working in this correctional facility and was around like there's this wing, there's this wing where it's like that's where the pedophiles are. And there was one night I was just staring at this guy and had this thing of like okay and I was very on the I hated him you know I mean I was like all right bro explain this to me so I know why I shouldn't just murder you in this hallway and say you fell down. Like explain this to me. I need to know, like, like when you watch the Jeffrey Dahmer documentary, you don't support Dahmer, but you want to fucking know. I'm like, I need to know this is fucking batshit. shit. Like, I need you to tell me, explain this shit to me, dude. I was working overnight and had a lot of time and it's fucking crazy because the guy started explaining himself, which is disgusting and horrific. But the thing that he didn't understand was everything he said to me, was things that dogfighters had said. It hit me in that moment that that was the reason I have a problem with dogfighting is consent and cognition. Now, when I say consent, people that don't understand dogfighting will, and this is why the pedophile thing was important, people that don't understand dogfighting Will say the consent is a problem, and what they imagine is you're cajoling the dog. They don't want to, you're whipping them in the ass to make them go forward. They're more scared of you than they are the pit. They imagine you're making these dogs fight, and that is absolutely not true. They will pull you to the pit. They are so fucking excited and happy to get in there. They are like, "Let me do it, Dad. Let me show you." And you're like, "Man, they want it. They want it, right?" Now. I have this fucking scumbag in front of me and he first line out of his face was, I've never done anything to a kid that they didn't ask me to do. And Mm. what I, what he didn't realize this, but what I heard was the logic that I could never find words for. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He was like, man, the people that I have interacted with have come to court to speak on my behalf. They loved me. They asked me to, they seek me out and you're like yeah but they they're a fucking kid you're like do you know what i'm saying but they were like they consented and it hit me at that moment that sex between two people is not wrong but if some if a being lacks the cognition to be able to consent even if they do consent even if they are apparently cooperating it's still not okay Because they can't make the choice because they don't have the cognitive ability to be able to make the choice. And that was what gave me the words to understand what my problem with fight with dog fights were, because it's not the violence. My wife fought professionally for decades. I watched her get in a cage and get her face smashed the fuck in. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. That was the day I knew I wanted to marry her. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like she's all smashed up and came back to the corner. And this was back in the day when it was a little unregulated. And we were taking her gloves off. And they walked up and said, We're doing an overtime round, which is not a thing that happens. And I was like, That was the rocky moment. You know, most people, most people quit in the pit world. They call that two dogging, right? Like, so they'll put you, they'll take you out, let you think you're done and then put you back in. And most, most dogs, most people quit on the like, wait, I thought I was done like the relief. And then you have to to, like lace back up and do it again. That's fucking hard. And I knew that I was like, tape it up. I was like, hey, all that shit you were just saying how you're fucking disappointed and can't believe how bad, like, let me fucking go see it. And she walked out there and smashed that bitch. And I was like, I'm so in love with you and I want to marry you so badly right now. She's the most amazing person in the world. But I have no issue with violence, none. Consensual violence between two people is beautiful. I have no issue with that. So then I was like, but I don't understand what my problem is. And then it hit me, the dogs- don't have the cognitive ability even though they are consenting and they do want to do they are saying yes they don't have the ability to understand and so they don't have the cognition to give real consent so even though they are apparently consenting it is not real consent and then how do we know that we're right about this because a kid who was manipulated and coerced and agreed and consented years after that event, they are worse. Real love, a real healthy relationship makes you better. It's like the campground rule. It leaves you better than it found you. Do you know what I mean? And nobody that was molested as a kid is left better than they were found. Their relationships with other people are worse. They need fucking therapy. They're need they like, it's damaged them and made them worse with their own species. And so dog fighting is the same. When I fight a person, we can go out for pancakes afterwards. That was my thing. I take people out for pancakes after fights. So like we would go have food. I became really good friends with dudes that I fought. Fighting made me better able to handle my own species, made me more social, and made me and the other being that consented to fight bond and able to make better bonds with other people. And that's what real consent does but not really able to consent but still apparently consenting is going to set you off so like if my dog could fight another dog in a pit and give consent and both dogs consented and then afterwards they could share a fucking meaty bone with no conflict and become best buds for life i 100 percent will let my dogs fight absolutely because there is no blowback it's the same thing that i do but because they can't, they are less likely to be able to get along with other dogs. They become worse around their own species. Do you know what I mean? It makes mm-hmm. them less healthy and less social. So it's not that beautiful thing that builds one up. It's something else. So it looks like it on the surface, but it's not that thing. Do you know what I'm saying? But I didn't understand the. I didn't understand because all I could say was like, I don't know. Something about it is beautiful, but something about it makes my tummy hurt. And they'd go, you like to fight? And I go, yeah. And they go, well. Milo likes to fight. And I'm like, yeah, but, and I couldn't, I couldn't explain it. Do you know what I mean? And I needed that idiot to talk to me about how, oh, they consented. They wanted to. And then I'm like, you, A, you're a piece of shit and I'm going to kill you. But B, I now understand what the problem is. Because yes, from the outside, you can go, oh man, they wanted to like, but not okay. Just because of being acted like they wanted to doesn't mean they understood well enough to be able to consent because they're not aware it's going to make them less healthy over time. They're not aware. Right. You know what I mean? And healthy interactions make you better over time, not worse. And so the dog's evidence that I'm correct about their inability to give cognitive consent is made true. It's it's, it's it's validated to me by the fact that they become less healthy and less good with their own species over time instead of better. If it was real and good and true, it would make you better like it made me better with people. So that was the thing that happened. It happened when I was 14. I didn't happen. It was, I always felt that way, but I finally gave up on it when I was 14. And then like probably another four or five years later, before I got the language, I got the understanding. Cause I was still conflict cause I would still talk to dog fighters and be like, they could talk about a good part. And I'd be like, yeah, into it. And then I'd have the, Oh, but you know what I mean? I was still really Conflicted about my own feelings because I didn't understand. Once I was 18 or so, I was like, okay, cool. I understand now. You know, and now I don't have the weird conflicted thing about it. But it's also so hard for people to understand that because it's like they want to judge the old style dog fighters. They want to judge them. And I do, I judge them. Don't get me wrong. Like, I you're wrong about what you think you see. But they are misguided. They're not uh, malicious. They think they're giving that dog exactly what it needs. And they think that they're seeing this beautiful, rocky fucking moment. And they think they're seeing what I saw when my wife was fighting, but it's not, but they don't understand that. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't get that. And so I, it's still wrong, but it's a different level of fucked up than what, a lot of people they think that they hate dogs and they're shitty and mean to their dogs and they're not those guys love their fucking dogs they treat their dogs so goddamn good they love their dogs so fucking much like they're misguided for sure but but yeah they don't have an intentional malice like mm-hmm. they think they're doing right by the dogs they're just wrong
0: <laughs> right right i was going to say do you think that's kind of that's true across the board or is that like
1: No, I've heard horror stories now, like things have gotten so fucked up now. Like if you read books, like from the 1800s and fucking early 1900s, even into like the seventies and eighties, like the fight scene was still like kind of those old school Cajun rules type guys like that had a deep love of their dogs, misguided, incorrect. I mean, people were marrying 13 year old kids back then. So they were definitely misguided about a lot of shit. They're, you know, like they thought they were doing good. They weren't, but they thought they were. Now, I mean, I've been out of the scene now for so long that what it's turned into, I mean, I haven't witnessed this, but you hear horror stories, who knows if it's true, but you hear horror stories like they're just setting dogs on fire and light and and locking them in a trunk together. Dude, that's not dog fighting. Like old school dog fighters would have fucking skinned you alive for doing that to a dog. Like that's not a dog fight. Like the whole point of a dog fight was to see gameness and consent, not to just, it's not just torture porn with dogs. You know, it, it was, it was, a they were wrong, but they thought they were creating a moment of beauty. They weren't just trying to burn dogs with acid. And I mean, it just wasn't, it wasn't like that. You know um, I've heard that that is what modern dog fights, or at least some aspect of modern dog fighting has become is just like torture porn with dogs. That makes me more sad, but all I know is the dudes in the fight scene that I grew up around would have fucking killed. Like, if somebody was like, "Hey, you want to lock our dogs? You want to set our dogs on fire and lock them in a box and see what happens?" They would have shot the guy. Like, they would have been like, "Absolutely not, <laughs> no." Like, that's that's not fighting. Like, that's just torture. Yeah. You know,
0: like gameness as a virtue isn't upheld like it was. Like what? what your- like if you're locked
1: in a box, there's no. Like how can you even tell you can't right. even see like it's just it's silliness yeah it's like the whole point the whole point was to see did you so there's this moment of gameness like there's this and 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 we all appreciate it it's written into every fucking movie rudy karate kid rocky 300 saving private ryan like the every single Hero movie has this like overwhelming odds crushing them down. Everything says quit, but they grit it the fuck out and they endure and then they finally crawl their way back. And that's like, that's we all pay millions of dollars a year to go watch movies that have that theme every single year. There's these three movies that come out with that fucking everything. We all are attracted to that idea. And They thought they were seeing the pure, beautiful version of it. Turns out they were seeing the less cognitive, not informed consent version of it. You know what I mean? But they thought they were seeing the good shit. You know what I mean? Like they thought they were seeing the good shit. When I was a kid, I knew guys that would watch dog fights, but they wouldn't watch like cock fights. Because they were like, it's not, they don't think. They're just... Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't the same thing. I mean, they'd have them, they'd watch them, they'd be around them. They weren't going to oppose to them, but they weren't into it. I mean, I saw people fight fish, you know, it's like, but nobody was like, nobody was moved. Cause that's just like, that's like national geographic watching ants fight. It's like, it's not, there is no, it's almost like dog fighters, anthropomorphized so much. They gave them the beauty of the, karate kid rocky rudy moment but they don't have that their dogs but like they knew inherently they were like that's a chicken dude it's not it's not there if it's not there it can't be that thing it's just going through it's just it's just functioning you know what i mean like it's Mm -hmm. a fish it's not thinking what i mean like they anthropomorphize dogs to the point where they convinced themselves they saw the beauty as if they would have the experience if they fought Because when we fight, there's this beautiful moment. It's like when I fight, when two people fight, if they're in the right headspace, it's like we're giving each other a gift. I can't find this moment without your help. And you can't find this moment without my help. And so we're going to give this moment to one another. And some of the most beautiful memories of my life are fights because I really like saw what i could accomplish and how far i could go and like man i learned a lot about myself and developed a lot about myself and that was a gift we gave one another and that's what they th- thought they were they're wrong but that's why they thought they were saw it but they thought they saw it with dogs but they didn't they're just chickens is just chickens so they'd watch it but they weren't like moved to tears by it you know you can so only be
0: so emotionally invested in a chicken
1: i mean don't now we're going to hear from the chicken fight i (laughs) I love chickens i really do there's people that are holding their fucking rooster right now and don't listen to them fluffy they don't understand you but like i don't know i mean i i I was never into it It, they just don't seem there was no there was no that always just looked gross to me because there was no like there was no conflict because it might be beautiful It, it was just like it's just fucking stupid like that's just i was never into animal like i saw you know like somebody was like, they'd do something stupid to an animal or so you'd hear them. Or they would like some kid I saw, like there was a rat on the road that had been hit by a car, but it wasn't dead. And they were like running over it with their bike. And you're just like, dude, like that's, I was never like, yeah, that's cool. Gross. I was always like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like that I've never been into animal cr- cruelty, you know? Yeah. So chicken fighting and fish and stuff always seem like just gross. Dogs, at least, there was the conflict of it. it might be a thing, but it took me a while to realize it wasn't, you know? Gotcha. Um,
0: we are, we're a little past time, but I had one more question I wanted to ask ahead. you. Um, so, kind of goes without saying, we as pit bull owners, and if you care to call yourself an advocate or whatever, um, sure. have kind of have a bit of a problem on our hands with regard to how these dogs are being perceived by the public. Um, how they're legislated against and, you know, what people see in the media about attacks and maulings and all of that. In light of all of that, what do you think that those of us who love and advocate for these dogs should be doing right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know how to fix society. Um, There's too many people, there's... (laughs) i'm an anarchist at heart i think the world's overpopulated i don't know how to fix anything what i think of is like concentric circles around you you know like live with your dog like so well that anybody that witnesses it goes damn that's beautiful you know what i mean like there is no like i can tell you right now the logo on my shirt this guy right here right? Like that dog is responsible for probably a hundred people having pit bulls in their life because they came in the gym, saw that dog, saw me, saw that dog and my life with that dog and went, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I want that. You know what I mean? And for right or wrong, went, you know, most of them, it worked out well. A couple of times they would get one and go, I'm in over my head. And I was like, let me explain how to live with it. Because it doesn't look like that by accident, motherfucker. We work on it, you know. But like that dog, my my life with that dog was beautiful to the point where when people saw it, they could not find flaw in it. And they were attracted to it. And so like, that's the first, because if you don't have that with your dog, like, it's tough, man, you start advocating for all this other shit. And then it's like you're living unskillfully with your dog, like live with your dog skillfully and have the most amazing and beautiful relationship that you can with your dog, right? Then kind of concentric circles out from that. By doing that and being in public to whatever degree you are, you're gonna get influence. There's going to be some kind of, somebody's going to go, Hey, I was thinking about getting a dog and I love the way you and your dog interact. What do you think I should do? Should I get a pit bull too? Cause you have a cool pit bull and that's when you have a chance to go, Hey, let me explain to you. What you see, the fluffy part, you see this part, you don't see this part. Let me talk to you about how much time we put in on leash walking so we could not have reactive moments because he gets super turned on on a leash when he sees a dog. And that took a significant amount of time to be able to navigate that without conflict between he and I and without issues, you know, in in society. And so like, if you want to put the work in, well, you can actually have a realistic conversation with somebody, but they're not going to ask you that. If they don't see something beautiful, they're not going to ask you. So it's like, fix your yard. And then there's going to be a sphere of influence around you. And if you're an individual person, that's going to be a small amount of influence, but that's great, but do what you can do. If you're a dog trainer, it's going to be more. If you're a public figure, it's going to be more, but like, do what you can do with your dog first, and then let that speak to everybody around you. And then it'll turn into a thing. And then outside of that, man go squares out like find a local pit bull advocacy group in your town and see what you can do with them you know find a pit bull rescue in your town and see what you can do with them figure out where you can put your energy if you want to do more than just affect the circle around you directly like figure out where you can put your time without breaking your heart because you can get involved in the wrong shit you you can find a rescue that is just shotgunning horrifying dogs out into the world with no concern so don't just randomly join up with groups or causes like really make sure you're aligned morally and ethically and spiritually with something before you throw yourself into it you know and if you can find a group that if you find a group that does the like be good with your circle affect the direct sphere around you that sees you and then if that's still not enough and you want to do more then find something to be involved in but look for the group that's going to speak to you. And if you can't find something and you still feel the urge to do something, then start something different on your own. Like you got to be the change you want to see in the world, man. If you don't see the group you want to join, start it. Um, all right, cool, man. Hey, I'm going to have to jet. I got another thing coming up.
0: Sounds good. Thank you so much, Jay. Really yeah. appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, of course, man. Let me know when this is coming out.
0: Yeah, we'll do. Um, I'll probably have it out tomorrow. I'll send you a link.
1: Awesome. All right, Thank I'll you talk so to much. You. Have Bye. a good one.